0: Hey, this is Kyle Schickner from Fensitter Films and you are watching Hashtag Burst TV. Please be sure to like, share, comment, and by all means, subscribe. Hashtag verse TV,
1: All The Tea Week 132. Hi, I'm Christy Marie on Hashtag Verse TV, Hashtag All The Tea, all the tea Week 132. With my good friend, Kyle Schickner, creator and developer of Fence Sitter Films, Uh, opening your latest documentary, White Man Walks Into a Barbershop, presented to to a sold out audience. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Say hi to everyone, Kyle Schickner. Hello everyone, how's everyone doing? All right, now you've done some amazing work and uh, we'll dig into hashtag all the tea uh, on this now. for our audience, who may, may not uh, yet know, where are you from and how has your residence jir- journey influenced you and your work?
0: Okay, well, right now, uh, for the last like 10 years, I'm living in a very conservative rural town in New Jersey. Um, Governor Chris Christie lives in my town and it's a nightmare. Um, <laughs> before that, I was living in LA for about 15 years. And before that, I grew up in, uh, in, in New Jersey. Um, Near Rutgers University in a very liberal town, so um, growing up for the first like forty years of my life in a liberal town, it certainly it certainly gave me the freedom to sort of, you know, explore who I wanted to be, who I thought I was, who I was trying to be, as opposed to living in in, in some place where it's like like if I grew up in the town I'm living in now, I think it would be much harder to, to to explore who I was because it's very conservative and very closed, and it's very, um, it's not very welcoming. I see. Okay, so since
1: 1995, Fensitter Films has released feature, uh featured films, short web series, and other types of media that represents the many voices and stories that mainstream Hollywood has tended to avoid. Um, featuring stories of women, uh, people of color and the LGBT community. Representing voices outside of the mold of mainstream Hollywood, what motivates you to press on as an independent creator, even without Hollywood
0: as the goal? Um, I guess part of I mean I've been doing this for a while. I, th- I think early on, Hollywood was the goal. I th- I thought I was I could change Hollywood into being more inclusive, telling uh, more stories that 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 focused on other people other than straight white men. Um, so I was I was very sort of pie in the sky thinking, oh, you know, if I just show, the, show, show Hollywood that people do want to see these films and they do have an audience and um, that they would sort of follow suit. Um, 25 years later, I'm still sort of banging my head against the same wall of like them saying, well, no, no one wants to see a movie about a gay black man or nobody wants to see a woman, a, a movie about a, a, a African-American woman in her 60s or a bisexual woman. Um, and so... My goal was always to. I always wanted to make films. Let me go back. I am not. Uh, I'm sort of selfish. Like I'm not someone that can go occupy Wall Street for a month because I I, I need showers and I need to eat pizza. I'm not. I, I I can't. I wish I was that person. I wish I was somebody that could um, that could sort of be inconvenienced. And but what I can do is is tell stories. And my feeling was as a white man. Um. I I found early on that doors were open to me. Um, that were not available to friends of mine who were much more talented than me. That were women or people of color or or queer, um, and so it, it sort of felt the very least I could do was like use my my white car to get in and open the door. And while the you know the 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 the, the, the people in charge aren't looking, I'll try to hold the door open for a little bit so other people can get in that deserve. Their voice to be heard and until that was the case I wanted to be the I wanted to at least do my part in sort of telling stories that I would a would want to see as a consumer and b that are important to tell that we never ever see on on in media so that's sort of why I decided to do that really early on
1: yes that's that's incredible um so fence center fence sitter films yes uh why the name fence sitter films
0: well, um, I'm a bisexual male, and I came out um, at Rutgers University in the early 90s. Um, I was, I, I actually started the very first uh, collegiate bisexual group. Um, often there were, they were, you know, queer groups that included bisexuals, but um, my group at Rutgers called Bias, Bisexuals Achieving Solidarity, was sort of the first only, you know, not only, but sort of focused on bisexual, bisexual uh, students, um, and so one of the... Um, things by bisexuals are called to be insulted are fence sitters so I sort of wanted I took a I was a a big hip-hop fan so I took a sort of a page out of the whole you know take something that's used against us and use it as a as as uh, as a as a a positive so I called it fence sitter films so um, my, my mother for years didn't have any idea what it was even though she knew I was bi she just thought it was a cute name but she didn't make the connection
1: yes very brilliant very brilliant So um, you have created some amazing film works with fence-sitter films. Uh, White Man Walks Into a Barbershop is your seventh film. Uh, In this documentary, you get get some very honest honest commentary from the people that you interview. Uh, Aaron Mack remembers in college that one of his communication classes explained, people will often um, open up more honestly to people who look like themselves. A uh, white man walks into a barbershop effectively does the opposite. Please give our hashtag Burst TV family a sip of hashtag all the tea on how you get many different people comfortable enough to be so honest with you.
0: Um, well, I don't know if it, 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 my thing disproves. Uh, I think if I was a black man coming into a barbershop, uh, everybody would be much more comfortable. Um, Uh, but one of the, but you're right, one of the things that I was able to do, I'd like to think, is that I came into barbershops, and it wasn't planned, I would drive around the country with a very small, very white crew, um, and we would find barbershops, and, you know, I would look up on the internet, or I'd go into, uh, into certain cities, and I would just get out myself, and go into the barbershop, and introduce myself, and say, we got this documentary, I've got a crew outside, do you mind if we come in, and have a conversation, and we'll film it, and We'll talk about whatever you guys want to talk about you everyone else stay you know keep working keep cutting and we're talking and we'll talk and i think initially you know in the first 10 minutes people are a little know, suspicious but wary of this you know what's this guy's motivation um but i'd like to think fairly early on they sort of got where i was coming from and sort of began to trust me a little bit as much as i i, I, I you know some strange guy walking into a into a barbershop could be trusted and by the end and we would spend three four hours at, the, at these barbershops and by the end it was you know it was just completely it was like it felt as if I had been there for years it was great My family. Um, yeah it was exactly right yes and I and, and you know and in fact there's one barbershop in Meridian Mississippi um, we weren't even planning on going to Meridian we were driving and we had to get lunch and so we pulled off and there was a barbershop across the street and I said let's just go in and uh it was supposed to be just a lunch hour we ended up staying 3 days and it really became like a family i mean kevin lewis it was, it was jenkin's barbershop in meridian mississippi if anyone wants to get their hair done that's where to go that's the place to go um and they invited I mean, it really made me feel like i was a part of their family they they let me into their church they invited me to the pop Warner games i mean it was just it was family like you said it was it was really amazing i felt i felt really privileged that they felt comfortable enough for me to to sort of, you know, treat me that way. Yeah.
1: Okay. so in an article uh, featuring white man walks into a barbershop, you mentioned that as a society, we are backsliding on our willingness to have open dialogue on subjects such as race. Uh, We were more open in the early 80s with shows like The Jeffersons. why do you feel such open conversations have regressed today?
0: I think, I think a big part of it is the internet. I think it's the internet. I think it's Twitter. Um, it was happening before that for sure, um, but I think that accelerated things. I think that um, there is this bottom feeder um, sort of social warrior, just social justice warrior that just sort of waiting to, to sort of cancel people, which has become a, a word that we're hearing a lot about. But when I started this documentary, it wasn't a word. It was still something I was concerned about that. Um, and 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 so as, as different people in our country, whether you're white or black or gay or straight or, or transgender, we don't necessarily know what's the correct way to speak and what's the correct terms. And it changes so fast. But um, I think that the the inability for me to me let's say me as white man to make a mistake um and uh and and call somebody um by their dead name or or refer to them as 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 black instead of african-american if that's what they prefer instead mm-hmm. because they don't know the the i may not know or feel comfortable comfortable or confident enough to discuss it i don't say anything or people we don't say anything so we just don't talk about it and if i do say something wrong if i said something to offend you chrissy i would like for you to ideally say like oh well here's what you know that that you know that that sort of bothers me or I don't like what you said and then I'd be like, oh okay now if you said that explained it to me what I said wrong or what upset you and I continued to say it well then we have a different story but what I say in my movie is that you know we learn by making mistakes and learning from them and then not making them um like my nephew in in school doesn't doesn't uh say five plus three is nine, because he's a dick, he may just not know the answer. So if all of a sudden, we give if, 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 if kids get detention for getting a question wrong, well, no one's going to learn anything. So we have to be more understanding and open to being like, Oh, okay, maybe somebody's, you know, like, what things I said when I was in the, when I was 18, I would never say now at 50, because the culture has changed, and, and things have changed. And um, often, we're just so worried about being canceled which is now and that could be an ugly thing there are people that deserve to be canceled don't get me wrong but i think i think the fact that we are so quick to want to eviscerate and and condemn somebody makes everyone or most people afraid to talk about anything for fear of getting something wrong does that make sense that does make sense and you know uh, the solution is as simple
1: as just asking because because You know, if if you're ignorant of of something or you're misinformed and you don't even know that you have the wrong information, you know, a, you know, a discussion isn't uh, hard. You yeah. know, it's not it's not hard to ask the questions that you want to know if you don't know anything, or also being corrected appropriately and respectfully. You know, yeah, with without just shutting it down, like like throw it throw it away. You know, that's not that's not effective to be a, be a progressive
0: society so I totally agree with you totally and 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 that was something that you know happened a lot. I said a lot of stupid stuff on my trip around the country going to barbershops I said a lot of dumb stuff and every time I was greeted with um I, I learned things like you know people said okay here no 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 I you know and and, and that's what was that's what we need more of across the board
1: right right you know so for some of your amazing films, Hollywood suggested that you change, change it in order to have a larger audience. In your phenomenal film, Strange Fruit, that deals with the lynching of a gay black man in modern day Louisiana, uh, Hollywood suggested that you make the lead character lawyer either black or gay, not both. Um, nevertheless, you stuck with your creative goal and created this impactful film as you envisioned it. And thank you. Uh, when you're creating, how do you decide when you should stick with your original vision uh, versus allowing outside forces to alter your vision?
0: Um, well, there are certain, there, when there's big things like, like that, that if, it's a murder mystery and the hero is a gay black man in this movie, Strange Fruit. And, and like, like you said, um, I was offered a lot more money to make the movie but they said to me, the hero can be gay and white or black and straight, but he cannot be gay and black because nobody wants to see a movie about a gay black man. That's the entire point of the movie. So yeah. I was never going to change that. That was never an option. Now, if, so, so there are big things you can sort of compromise on and little things you can compromise on. Um, when I'm writing it, I, I, don't, I don't consider and maybe I should, but I never consider what is going to get roadblocked. And I'm always, I'm always shocked, and which is silly, I'm always, I always think Hollywood is further along than they are. Um, so, and part of me would like to say like, oh yes, you know, I'm, I'm glad I stuck to my guns. And I am, because in the end, that's the movie I wanted to make. If I, made the, if I made the character white and gay, well, now I've got the white savior situation coming in. He's just gay now. And I didn't, I certainly didn't mm-hmm. want to add, and then I didn't want to have him be black and straight because now it's just this straight savior coming in and saving the gay community. And that, and that just you know, flips the script in, in another bad way. Um, but part of me always was thinking like, well, what if, what if, what if I had said yes to that or you know um, yes to certain things? Would my movie gotten more attention? Would I've gotten more uh, money for my next film? And would I've gotten more power and juice to be able to then call bigger shots? And so I always wonder, like, well, maybe I, you know, I could have made more change in the, in, in our, in our community. And when the community, I sort of, you know, mean, you know, queer people of color and women, even though I'm not a person of color or a woman, I certainly am an ally. Um, Would Mm -hmm. films have made, could I have made more strides if I had just said, okay, I'll make them gay and straight or, and I don't know, um, but I know that tonight I go to bed and I can sleep and I could know that this was the movie I wanted to make. Um, And it was never about, I mean, look, I I need to make a living. It was never about wanting to make as much money as I could on each film. It was about making the right film for an audience that I think and tell a story that I think should be told. Um, And that's what I did. And again, I I do think about it all the time. Like, well, what if, what if, what if, Um, but you know, what if as a channel as a is a TV is a Marvel Universe show now and not, nothing I need to worry about? Because I didn't and even with with White Man Walks in New barbershop, I was confronted with having to make a decision whether or not to change something that I thought was a big mistake to change. And I and I even went with that. So no, I'm gonna go with this because otherwise I I dilute the whole movie and then I'm I'm become the problem that I've been railing against for the last 30 years.
1: Absolutely. And as a writer, I I appreciate you standing your ground on your vision because it's yours, it's your art. So, yeah. thank you and kudos to you. Yeah, thank you. So, um, also in your amazing repertoire of film works um, is the film Steam with powerful women um, Ali Sheedy, Chelsea Handler, um, Katie Siegel, and Ruby D. Um, Ms. D. <laughs> So, Steam is also Ruby D's last film before she passed away. Uh, what needs to happen in society for films with strong female leads to be uh, more than just search subcategory on Netflix?
0: I think it needs to be, I think women need to be the ones, there need to be more women making that final decision. There need to be more female. Uh, studio heads and independent film company heads. I think more women need to be getting involved, and and we're seeing a little bit of that with the Me Too movement and there being a situation where now um, actresses who have some have some power are saying, well, no, no, I'll do this movie, but you have to have forty percent of the cast or crew be female, and you're getting that. And I think that's the sort of the stage where we're where we're starting to be able to see stronger women voices. Um, uh, I think *Insecure* is an idea, uh, an example of a, of a woman who came up with an idea, and it's her film, and it's her vision, and it's so clearly Issa Rae's um, voice. Then, and and it's it's uncompromising. Um, *Flea Bag* uh, was another movie. So you're seeing, and it's all in TV for the most part. Film, it's a little slower behind, but I think the the advent of streaming services and the ability for uh, smaller niche niche um storylines can find an audience you know I'm sure there's like a if I made a movie about gay black cat lovers I'm sure there's a streaming service somewhere that only shows films about gay black cat lovers who knows because it's it's so I and and once um and the other thing is this and I remember when gay when in the early late 90s there were very few gay films out there and my feeling was, and it was before streaming service and all that, my feeling was, I don't care how crappy the movie was or how uninterested I was. I went to the movies and I paid my $8 at that point, 10 to see the movie. Because Hollywood, Hollywood will change if they realize, oh, I can make money. I, oh, I can make money on strong women. Oh, I didn't realize that. You know, and so they'll do it because it's all about green. It's not about gender. It's not about um, uh, color. It's not about uh, sexuality. It is really about making money. Um, and, you know, I mean, even Crazy Rich Asians made a ton of money. And then, you know, and then Shang-Chi made a ton of money. So it's making it less scary for these white <laughs> folks to say, huh, maybe Asian people will go to the movies. Who knew? Oh, wow, Wakanda, you know, Black Panther what? blew the roof off of things. Maybe black people will go move, or actually not. Maybe white people will go see black movies, which is crazy, because of course we will. Yeah, it's good. yeah. The problem was so many black and folks. vice versa of yes of course and so many black films aren't necessarily good so it wasn't like I didn't go to see a Tyler Perry movie because I didn't because I'm racist and I didn't want to see a black film I wanted to see a better film not that I'm dissing Tyler Perry don't get me wrong I'm just using him as an example because there's so few black filmmakers out there
1: right okay so what's next for fence sitter films and Kyle Schickner
0: so, we're um, right now with a white man walks into a barbershop. We're, we're doing a, a ton of screenings around the country, the special screenings for, um, we're doing them all as um, uh, fundraisers for different local areas. We did a, a, um, a diversity committee, raised some money last week, and we're doing one in my hometown where there, there's a history project, African American history project from that town. So, we're just doing this around the country for a few months, and then we're going to release it on streaming services where it'll be more widely available. Mm-hmm. um and then you know i've got a couple other films i'm tr- I'm trying to you know get off the ground i've got a sequel to the to the white man walks into a barbershop called sexism the musical which looks mm-hmm. at a white man's view of how he is taught and learns about women and how he treats women like me being that man because um, yeah,
1: we don't know that i'd love to know that you know that? what we think that. yes like what men think of different cultures, period. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can only make, you know, assertions with just observation. But to hear straight from the horse's mouth, you know, it's something that I think would engage women. Yeah. And it's just my opinion as a woman. I, I want to know. I want to hear it because... I, it's something that I've always been curious about from men, period. Like it—it it doesn't matter what culture you're from or you know what color you are. We—we want to know.
0: Yeah, and it's good to know. So I know I will have at least sold one ticket because you'll come see it if we make absolutely, them. absolutely. Well, you know, interesting because <laughs> with white man and also with the sexism, the musical movie is that what I'm really doing is I'm pu- I'm pulling away the layer and I'm being as honest as I can about a white man and his feelings about race or my feelings about women. And mm-hmm. um, black audiences across the board are loving my documentary. The people who are having a hard time with my documentary are the white audiences who are making them uncomfortable because I'm sort of saying things that they feel and they don't want to be or to discuss. And that's sort of the play with the, with the sexism is that I wanna sort of talk about like, what do we know? What do we think about women? What are we taught? from 10, 15 years of age. You know what I'm saying? That, that, mm-hmm. that, that shows us and treats and shows us how to treat women in a very crappy way. We're yeah. taught that from the time we are one. We're all we're, we're, around us. Treated worse
1: than minorities. Yeah. And it's, it's something that in, no one ever asks us. So um, unless, unless there's a platform that you know, is direct you know, it's directly for us, but, um, that's very important. And, uh, thank, thank you for that. Um, getting a little more personal as someone living his truth as a bisexual man, what would you say is the biggest hurdle facing the bisexual community and how does one overcome that
0: hurdle? You know, it's interesting. I think for for the last, when I got in, when I got into the game and then, and and for the last like 25, 30 years, the biggest hurdle was always we are not considered, we, we don't exist often. It's that oftentimes we are a um, a pit stop on the way to gay. Like people say they're bisexual because they're just testing the waters, but they're really yeah. gay, they're really lesbian, and eventually they'll come out kind of thing. So, um, so that was always the hurdle is like making people understand that bisexuality, people are bi for their lives. Some people aren't bi for their lives, but some people aren't lesbian for some. So it's, it's a fluid thing. So that we exist, that we're there, and that we are as an equal part of the LGBT community. When I got in the game, it was just LG. And then we added the B, and then we added mm-hmm. the D. So it, it, was, a, it was something that um, has been a, a struggle from the beginning. And, um, and so that's been the hardest part. That being said, it's a very interesting thing. I've got a, I've got a, a stepdaughter who just started college and there's so many people in her high school, they all are starting to identify as bi. And that's kind of cool because, um, so maybe that's kind of not gonna be the same kind of hurdle they're gonna to have to deal with um, that bi folks have had to deal with before. This generation that seems to be much more um, understanding and, and aware of all the beautiful differences in gender and in sexuality and sort of are trying it all out. Um, so I'm hoping that's, that's, gonna be, um, that's gonna be the help. But the, the problem with bisexuality, the problem being bisexual, especially if you're in a opposite gender or straight looking relationship, is bi folk have to come out almost every day because the assumption is straight. So yes. um so so it, it is a it is a constant no have to have to reiterate no and by no one by because that is the assumption and it's exhausting. It's just sort of exhausting for you know just having to 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 justify who I am all the time, not just in the straight world, yeah, in the gay, lesbian, transgender world and and mm-hmm. all that. And that becomes um, <clears throat> annoying, especially when. We so desperately feel aligned with the L and the G and the T and the Q. And often we're sort of seen as less than or suspect or, you know, you know, you're going to, you know, you're, you're diluting our movement because you're involved with someone of a different gender and that doesn't look right kind of thing. Does
1: that make sense? That makes sense. That goes back to just asking those questions because no one understands that more unless that's who they are you know and so what gives you the right to have an opinion about something you don't know anything about yeah um uh and people just aren't conscious of that and or aren't present minded when it comes to interacting with people who identify differently you know just you could i mean if you want to develop anything meaningful or even want to know just just ask in my you know that's is you that, know, how, how is that offensive with a, a meaningful connection in the first place or a mean, meaningful interaction
0: yeah 100%. so
1: yeah so um you you uh that was very uh eloquently said okay. and so um there's a second part of the interview um we asked five general Hashtag verse TV questions that we ask all first time guests. Um, If you had all the money and power necessary, what would you do to change? um, What would you do or change that you feel most would most benefit the LGBT plus community?
0: Uh, Well, if I have all the power, can I ask for three more wishes? I mean, that's the first thing I would want to do. you know, that's interesting. I, I think unity would be the thing that that um, would make the most sense in terms of uh, getting um, our our needs and our concerns and our political worries together. If we all sort of realize, hey, we are in this together. Mm-hmm. Um, as a bisexual man, if um, a transgender person's rights are taken away, It affects me because I have trans friends I'm 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 and 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 so we're all in this together and so oftentimes and I think it's getting better but I'm old so I'm out of the loop a little bit but so often it was always just sort of like this it was the gay male um contingent and the lesbians were over here doing something and the bi folks were down there and then the you know in the in the late 90s the transgender thing was just sort of coming and nobody was like everyone was sort of so worried about again, the dilution of each person's movement. And I get it. Gay men have different needs than transgender folk and lesbians. Um, But they also have a lot of the same needs. And there's no reason why um, our individual letters can't work on our own shit. Right. In our world, while working alongside all of the other rest of the alphabet to get... So I think that's what I would do. I think that we'd stop this ridiculous, petty bullshit that's sort of going on If that,
1: yeah, that yeah because those differences are valid
0: yeah yeah absolutely you know mm-hmm. they're totally valid but they also the but there's so the similar but again the similarities are very same yeah. you know just just in the same way uh lesbians have the same uh as, and they're also women women's rights and lesbians rights are the same but also lesbians have different rights that don't include straight women but right to choose is 100% across the board. Everyone's every female and male, I argue too. But so it's just a matter of, we have to sort of try to get along and not um, step on each other to get higher.
1: Yeah, not not to invalidate one another. Totally. Okay, so ask not where I live or what I like to eat or how I comb my hair. But ask me what I am living, what I I am living for in detail. Uh, Ask me what I think is keeping me from living fully for the thing I want to live for, uh, which is a quote by uh, Thomas Merton. Um, The actual question is, what is your goal in life? Uh, Actually, it's a two-part question. What is your goal in life and what is slowing you from achieving that goal?
0: You know at at this age, my goal in life is just to just to make it live a few more years. Um, uh, my goal in life, what's what's stopping me from achieving whatever goals I is often more often than not myself is my own ego, my own fears, my own insecurities. Um, and the more I can acknowledge it, address it, and 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 be okay with it. love that I'm not perfect that I'm insecure that I'm you know, I feel, you know, I'm looking at this thing. I'm like, oh, do I look fat in the screen? You know, like all these things. That's always what's stopping me when I make movies. Like it's always sort of, that's what's stopping me. And it has to be just about um, the more quicker we can, and and quicker we can accept all of ourselves, all the wonderful parts of ourselves and also the stuff that we aren't thrilled with. Because in the end, I think I'm a pretty decent dude. I like myself. I wouldn't change a lot. And so, and that also then includes the stuff that I that I don't want necessarily people to to see all the time, you know. And sort mm-hmm. of it be okay that you know, just like you know, my partner is very flawed. Annie DeFranco Franco has a great line, um, mm-hmm. uh, and it, and something and to paraphrase something along the lines of like you know, uh, you know, I I chose you as is. Like I I knew all the shit you had. I knew your problems. You know, I knew you were an asshole, but I accept you for who you are. And so. And and I do that for my partners. I do that for my friends. And I should be able to do it. We should be able to do it to ourselves as well.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah. First. First, right. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So what is your hashtag deepest tea? I.e. something that you've never shared on media before and something that you are willing to share with us today, of course. <sighs>
0: That I'm I am I'm a stepdad, which has um, a lot of um, pitfalls, mine, minefields, and so and 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 you know I'm actually you know writing a book about being a stepdad and, and all the interesting stuff about it, and, but part of it is that I am worried that I'm I'm not good enough. You know, that, that I was invited into this family. It's not my family. It's invited into this family. And I think there's a, a level of you have to, you know, you don't, you know, you're not necessarily you're an interloper initially. You've got to be better than. that. And I always feel like, you know, I go to bed every night and I worry. I'm like, oh, how, would, how did I screw up my kids tonight? You know, and I always I replay it. Like, oh, I wish I, I should have said that. So I think that, to be completely honest, I, I wish I worry that. Um, I could have been a better stepdad because they are innocent. you know, in a relationship, I could have been a better partner too, but they also see what's going They're, you know, that kind of thing. And I actually am a great stepdad. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, I really do think I'm a really good stepdad, but a part of the thing that makes me a good stepdad is that I worry that I'm not a good stepdad. Cause if I'm sitting like, oh, I'm the greatest stepdad in the world, then chances are you're the worst stepdad. I see.
1: Well, I just want to say to that, if your partner they didn't think you were worried you would not have been invited
0: <laughs> well, around. for sure and you don't know her but yeah
1: as a her. as a parent I, as a parent i'm saying that you know um that's something that you wouldn't have to question if you're you know in, invited to uh to be around such um pureness you know because because children are so pure and perfect they're amazing to be around so Um, you got it, stepdad.
0: Look at you guys keep coming every week. You guys, you're making my self-esteem skyrocket here. Hey, that's the goal.
1: So (laughs) what are some stumbling blocks that you've had on your path up and how did you overcome them?
0: Uh, I think the stumbling blocks have to do with, um, again, sort of part of partially my ego thinking I am further along my journey than I thought I was only to be turned the corner and realize, Oh, I have not worked on that shit yet. And it sort of smacks me in the face. Um, and, you know, I mean, and, and, and part of this, and, and so that's, that's the main one is just of like it's just getting in my own way. You know, I think we, um, I think we are constantly trying to close off the, the negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we close it off too much and, you know, uh, even listening to you talk about my films today it's the words were effusive and wonderful and, they, and you know and so makes my makes the ego good but so so if, so if i'm just listening to how great I am and how wonderful I am both my you know people that that, that have seen my movies or my my mother or my, my part and 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 start buying buying into your own um, image which is sort of an image. Um, mm-hmm you're going to stumble, you're going to trip, you're going to get, you're going to, you're going to be like Icarus, you're going to fly too close to the sun, you're going to get too arrogant, and it's going to, you're going to go fall, fall down, you're going to get, you know, your wings are going to melt, um, so I think that's my biggest stumbling block, and I think I make less and less stumbles as I get older, um, it's, 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 you know, it's nothing new to say, but it's such a frustrating feeling of that, once you start figuring shit out, you, you know, you're, you're, you're on the, you're, you're at the other end of your Life, you know, so like I can't. I if I knew, I wish I knew now what I knew thirty. I would be, you know, running the world.
1: Yeah, and uh, we're we're all our own worst critics, as especially as artists. Um, and I can imagine that bringing your full vision uh, into something that may maybe may have restraints by a budget or a certain amount of time. Isn't uh, always something that um, is easy to like you know uh, be understood by you know an audience that doesn't right, understand right. or doesn't relate somehow. Um, but you know that's the amazing thing about the creative process is you can always you know um, recreate. You can know, always, you know, make so, it into something bigger, you know?
0: Yeah, listen, absolutely. And, you know, I will also say this and this, you know, it's that um, because of budgets and, you know, again, I, I turned down more money so I can do it for less money. And obviously I look at the films I've done, I'm like, oh, I wish I had more money I could have done this. But I will mm-hmm. say this about sort of the audience. If you have a good story, the audience will forgive a lot of technical stuff for the, yeah. for, I mean, you know, Strange Fruit played at probably every gay festival in the country and have around, the, have around the world. And in the, you know, in the early 2000s, it was one of the only black gay films out there. So it was mm-hmm. packed crowds and people loved it. And I think it had more to do with the fact that there was you know 500 uh, black uh, or people of color, uh, queer men mostly or, and women seeing mm-hmm. themselves up on the screen. And so if my budget was a little less, they forgive that. And so that's sort of, people will forgive you know, filmmakers ask me, what can I do? I'm like, just do, if you have a good story, people will follow it. They don't, the sound is okay if they if they connect to the story and the characters. And that's sort of what you gotta do. And you, you know, cause if I had $50 million and I made a movie, I would sit there and look at it and say, oh, if only I had 60 million, I could have made that better. You could always want more. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Another Ani DeFranco quote, whenever you think you have enough, enough grows. You always want more and you got to sort of live with what you got as best you can.
1: Okay. So um, what are some things that you would like to be left in the legacy uh, time capsule for your work? In terms of what what we mean, like just how people feel
0: about me or?
1: Yeah, like, so in the future, when people look back on the things that you've created, what would you like to be most
0: remembered? Um, I would like to, I think I'll be most remembered that I that I stuck to my guns, that I made the kind of films that weren't being made, still aren't being made for oftentimes, and that they pushed the needle a little bit, you know, that, I mean, I, I'll still periodically get emails from people who said, oh, I saw Strange Fruit or a woman, I saw Steam, and, you know, I'm trying to come out to my parents, and that was so inspiring. Those little things are really important, um, and it's, you know, I you you want to know that I've left the I I I, I gave more to the world than I took, and um, when people watch if people if people even I just I just saw the movie Coco last night, which is the the Pixar movie about you know, okay. <laughs> um, and it's sort of about like remembering eventually when you when you stop people don't remember you anymore you float away, and that was that was so scary to me like I just. I don't have, it's not an ego thing about it. It's just like, I like to know that what I did has helped and continues to help people, um, even in small, 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 small ways, you know?
1: Okay. So we're on social very media. And, uh, sorry. We're, I'm, I'm sorry, were you finished? I that i very
0: handsome. That's also the legacy I'd like to leave.
1: <laughs> I agree.
0: I oh, agree. Pretty sweet. Oh my goodness.
1: so um where on social media can we find you and oh i think that's the last question where on social media can we find you besides
0: i think you can find me on instagram at fence sitter films Mm -hmm. also uh white man walks into a barbershop and also my name kyle Schickner um all of my films are available they're eventually going to be available on amazon over the next six months but if you really want to see any of my films like steam or strange fruit or rose by any other name um uh you can uh, it's on vimeo which no one even knows what the hell that is um I but, know. What vimeo is. <laughs> so, but mostly vimeo, it tells vimeo it's on vimeo under my name kyle schickner or you can search the names of the movie and they were strange fruit or steam rose by any other name full frontal which was like a funny mockumentary about the gay porn world um, or um, Paradise Lost, a horror movie I did with like a lesbian hero. So anyway, so that's where I can be found. Um, I have a very crappy uh, social media presence as my stepdaughter likes to tell me all the time, but I'm, you know, I don't get it. I like, I have no idea. I still don't quite get how Twitter works.
1: Well, pick her brain, pick it. Ask those questions.
0: She's too busy. You want
1: to know those opinions and ideas. You know, because they come from a pure place. You know, she sees something that she wants to express to you, and she's inspired as a storyteller, maybe herself. So uh, she may be an, a, 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 you know, uh, up and coming writer herself.
0: You she, know, um, yes, she's considering that, yes. So
1: yeah. So ask those questions. You know, that's some, that's some, I was going to say that earlier. That's a, that's a great part of being uh, a parent too. Like when you're dealing with the budget, uh, you learn how. You to do. Budget. You, you do. learn how to be cost conservative and really be creative. Like you're pushed to that point to, you know, be creative and um, uh, use your natural resources. And um, wow. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, interview with us today on Hashtag Verse TV. I,
0: I am 100% honored to be even invited and considered with them. It, you have no idea how excited I was to be here today.
1: I, you have no idea how nervous I was. <laughs>
0: I was really? nervous. couldn't even tell.
1: I, well, thank you. Thank you so much. But uh, It was an honor as well.